What's up, everyone? Coming to you on this dreary first day of November. Welcome to another episode of the Grit, Fitness, and Performance Podcast. I am your host, Chris Sanchez, and today we wrap it all up. It is the final installment of the six-part series that we've been doing about health and fitness misconceptions, myths, and all the commonly believed BS that's not necessarily true. Uh, If you've listened to the five previous ones, uh, thanks for sticking with us for this many, I guess, episodes, I'll call them. And if this is the first one you've listened to, you should probably go back and listen to the first five episodes because they're jam-packed full of all sorts of goodies and stuff that you should know about, you know, when you're going into your working out and eating better, uh, you know, health routine. So uh, we'll dive right into it. I won't tell you about my Halloween and whatnot, because personally, that's a huge pet peeve of mine when podcast hosts go into like this 10 minute rant about what they did this past weekend. And it's just like, just get to it. So I'll do that. So we are on myth number 26 um, out of the total of 30 that we're doing or number one for today. And it is uh, the myth that soreness is a good indicator of a quality training session. And we've probably all been here before where you perform a, a particularly hard training session and you wake up the following morning and it hurts to sit on the toilet, it hurts to walk downstairs, someone tells you a joke and you try to laugh but your body's just like, easy now, I can't handle that right now. And like even washing your hair just hurts because everything in your body is sore. So to the average person, they're going to say, wow, like that training session was such a success because I, I hurt. Everything hurts today. So hold on there, slow down and back up because using muscle soreness as a indicator for a good training session is it's basically the equivalent of using your post-workout selfie to gauge if a training session was good. Like, did I get 65 likes? Well, it must have been a good training session because people are all about my my pump and my gains. Like, it's not effective at all. Your your soreness is not effective and your selfies are not effective on judging the quality of that training session. Muscle soreness is your body's way of just responding to a certain stimulus that you're not accustomed to experiencing. So what that means is if I asked you to right now stand up and perform 500 jumping jacks followed by 500 mountain climbers, I bet you'd probably wake up tomorrow and be sore, maybe in your hip flexors, um, maybe in your shoulders, maybe uh, your shins from all that jumping. And you'd probably wake up tomorrow and just and try to move and go, sweet baby, sweet potatoes, I am so sore. What happened to me yesterday must have been a good workout. Not at all. 500 mountain climbers and 500 jumping jacks is not a good workout. It just means that your body is not used to performing that many jumps and flexing your hip that many times in a given amount of time. So newbies and people that are uh, maybe overzealous and undereducated they just assume that that muscle soreness is an indication that that workout was was good. And then the problem is they think if some muscle soreness is good, 
more must be better. So if, if I wake up after a workout and it hurts to move, well, that must mean if I wake up another day and I am physically incapable of moving, wow, that was just an awesome, awesome workout. Not at all. So what you need to realize is that when you work out, you need to recover from that soreness in order to see increases in strength, stamina, uh, endurance, uh, body fat, uh, changes, like whatever it, whatever your goal is, if you can't recover properly from your workout before you start the next one, you have a real uh, possibility to regress, plateau, or whatnot because you're not giving the body ample opportunity to recover and then establish a new baseline of fitness, of strength, of endurance, whatever it may be. So if you're constantly going through these super high-intensity workouts and you're super, super sore all the time after these, and then you go ahead and work out again and you just keep repeating this cycle, well, what you're doing is you're not giving your body an opportunity to heal, grow, and adapt to harder or more intense training stimuli down the road. You are putting stress on top of your already stressed out body. And this is a recipe for regression plateau or even worse, injury in the long run. So this is why it's not uncommon at all for these people who participate in these high intensity workouts multiple times per week, week over week on week, and then and they're just doing over and over and over to experience some sort of nagging injury or end up on a physical therapist table trying to deal with these issues, <coughs> CrossFit, um, because they're just beating their body down all the time, not giving it a chance to heal. So you, so I'll say this, muscle soreness, it can be a result of a quality workout. You can do an intelligently designed program and wake up sore the next day. I'm not saying that you won't experience that after a good training session, but I'm saying that you shouldn't hope to wake up sore the next day. A well-tailored, intelligent training program should always leave you feeling better than you did before you started that training program. If you are always feeling like a rusty, like beat up piece of shit after you work out, there's something wrong with your workout. You should not need a motorized wall scooter to get up your stairs after your workout. You should feel invigorated, you should feel energized, and you should feel stronger going into your next workout. And if you're not experiencing that, uh, there's there's something wrong with your training program, with your workouts. Um, I mean, it's 100% possible to gain strength, shed fat, gain endurance, do whatever it is that your goal is um, without experiencing any sort of like crippling soreness. The old saying, no pain, no gain, is a very egotistical, meat-headed approach to training. Um, so should you work out and never expect any soreness because you're going about it in an intelligent way? No, that's dumb. Um, you will experience some sort of soreness um, after the first week of a new training block, um, after perhaps a a finisher that you did that you're not accustomed to doing like soreness is not terrible it's just not a good indicator of a quality workout um 
So just remember, you can't go balls to the wall 100% of the time. You have to learn how to kind of undulate or kind of mix in lower intensity training sessions with higher intensity training sessions to give your body a chance to recover properly before you get to your next high intensity training session. So soreness is not the best indicator of a quality training session. It just comes along when you did something that you're not accustomed to doing. Uh, And then per usual, I'm going to take a drink because talking like this really dries my mouth out. All righty. Myth number 27. Strength training turns muscle into fat. So this is something that I've heard growing up, and uh, I believed it because I was young and naive. So the, the thing that you have to realize is that strength training is great. It is probably the number one thing that you absolutely probably should be doing uh, in your journey for overall health, longevity, aesthetics, strength, like whatever you want to do. Strength training will help you do that. But, you know, there's a misconception out there that strength training turns your muscle or sorry, turns your fat into muscle. And unfortunately, it's just not true. That would be great, though. Can you imagine, though, if you had like 20 pounds of fat on you and you just converted it all to muscle? You would be the poster child for health. Like, you absolutely would be. The problem is fat and muscle are two completely different types of tissue. So moving your body, lifting weights... Uh, it does not magically transform your fat into muscle, nor does lack of activity morph your muscle into fat. So muscle and fat cells, uh, they, they really just either grow or they shrink depending on what your lifestyle, what your behaviors, what your activity level is like. So when you see someone post an incredible like before or after picture or they, they, they're talking about this incredible physical transformation that they've gone through, What's likely happening is that their fat cells are shrinking, which will reveal more muscle mass, um, or vice versa, their muscle cells are growing, which gives them a larger, more muscular appearance. So it has nothing to do with one turning into the other. It's just one of them is becoming more apparent and more visually, um, well, apparent uh, so that you can see it. So when people become sedentary, the fat cells they basically, they're taking center stage and they swell up due to all the the excessive calorie consumption that these people are doing. So, you know, your muscle cells might not be shrinking per se, but the fat cells are getting larger and larger and larger. And that's what equates to, you know, your, your fat gain. Um, and what, what can happen is uh, when your fat cells are growing because you're largely inactive or sedentary, they can shrink or atrophy at the same time your muscle cells are growing. So, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. It applies to 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 muscle cells basically. They're not disappearing. They're they're basically just getting smaller. So, the best way to kind of solve this problem is to prioritize your strength training, eat a clean diet full of your your lean proteins and your non-starchy vegetables, your uh quality sources of carbohydrates, the ones that come with um, fiber and uh, high water content and lots of, you know, these vitamins and minerals in them. Try to get lots of quality sleep, manage your stress, and uh, just overall try to be active throughout your day. And that's basically the recipe for any, you know, well-built physical 
foundation or health, whatever you want to call it. Those are the things that you need to try to prioritize. Um, so this one's a relatively short and sweet myth to cover. Uh, so if someone says like, you know, I've turned all this fat into muscle or vice versa, just know that that, that can't happen. There are two different types of tissue. Um, and what's going on in your body is they're either shrinking or growing and they're not morphing into one another. So the next myth, sports drinks, your Gatorades and your Powerades are the best way to rehydrate. So this one, I feel like it, when you look at it, it's more of a, a context issue. So where are you coming at it uh, in terms of like what your goals are? So sports drinks have become a multi-million dollar industry over the past few years um, from the advancement of sports nutrition in general. So, you know, it, they, they've discovered that the best way to rehydrate your body, um, there are better ways to do it than just water sometimes. So of course, these companies aren't going to tell you that because they're trying to make money. So they wouldn't tell you like the best way to go about rehydrating your body can sometimes be water. No, they're going to tell you the best way to do it is to drink our drinks and buy our products all the time. So here's what happens when you sweat during a workout, you're not just losing water from your body, but you're also losing things like electrolytes and electrolytes. They basically help maintain the proper balance of fluids within the body. Um, they help ensure that the various tissues throughout the body are working like they should. So things like sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, these are electrolytes. So like when you're sweating, you're losing these things as well, and they help your body function the way it should be. So based on this information alone, you'd be like, yeah, absolutely. When I sweat and I'm working out, like give me a sports drink all day. Like give me some Powerade, give me some Gatorade. Um, like I need to... That, like that's clearly the best way to do it. You just told me why, but here's where things can get a little kind of cloudy. So in addition to these vital electrolytes that Gatorade, Powerade, whatever aid are giving you when you're drinking them, they also contain a decent amount of carbs, mainly in the form of simple sugars. And the reason for this is that that sugar in that drink, that very easily digestible sugar, is meant to replenish your body's energy stores as fast as humanly possible so you can continue to perform at a high level without experiencing dips in performance or intensity or whatever it may be. So that's why you see all these pro athletes drinking Gatorades on the sideline. You see LeBron James, you know, he's going out for a timeout or something like that, and he'll drink a cup of Gatorade. Well, that's because... LeBron James needs to jump 12 feet in the air. He needs to sprint down the court repeatedly. He needs to make these cuts, jumps, and these very high-intensity movements. So if his body is kind of losing its juice and he's slower and he's not able to perform at 100%, he's not going to perform on the court. He's going to lose, and that's what his livelihood depends on. Like He needs to be able to perform. So for athletes or for people who are regularly participating in, you know, hour-long practices, strength training sessions, uh, playing games, conditioning drills, like sports drinks probably should be their first choice when it comes to rehydration because athletes care first and foremost about performance above all else. If athletes can't perform, they're not doing their job. Okay, if us regular nine to fivers 
don't necessarily perform not a huge deal. We don't lose our paycheck. We don't lose an endorsement. We don't upset the fans. Um, so for for John Everyman and Jane Everywoman, who are just casual to moderately intense kind of exercise enthusiasts, sports drinks can essentially just be nothing more than sugar-loaded juice when you're drinking them. The amount of sugar and calories in these drinks it might be more than what's necessary for these folks to help replenish their bodies in a given workout. So what I mean by that is, you know, if, again, going back to LeBron James, he's got this hour-long practice, and then he's got an hour-long strength and conditioning session, and then he's got um, an hour's worth of skill sessions with his coach, and then an hour's worth of whatever it may be. He needs a lot of calories to replenish what he's losing in a given day because of his high activity demands. Whereas, you know, John, who works at an insurance office, uh, he goes home and just does a 45-minute workout. He doesn't need as many calories as LeBron James does. So those added calories from that Powerade, they might just be adding to his overall daily caloric intake. And it, it, it might be putting him in a surplus just because he doesn't need, you know, a lot of calories and he, he might not need all these simple sugars and whatnot like that might be contributing more to a body fat issue for John than it does for LeBron James so even though you're replenishing your body with those electrolytes and it is helping your body um, you know you're giving your body what it needs a little bit you could be providing it with too many calories in the the long run so that's why I opened this and I said it's more of a contextual thing like where are you coming from in what context are you drinking the sports drink are you someone who cares primarily about performance um, are you a competitive weightlifter um, are you a, a weekend warrior and you don't like losing to your friends so you want to make sure your body is primed and ready to go or are you just working out just because you want to look good you're trying to lose a little bit of body weight um, you know so it, it it really just boils down to, do you care more about your performance, maintaining strength, endurance, intensity during a session, or do you care about your aesthetics, like looking good naked? If you care more about performance and you want to just absolutely kick ass during your training sessions, you might want to consider rehydrating with a uh, sports drink. If you care more about just looking good, dropping some weight, Good old-fashioned water will do a perfectly fine job of keeping you hydrated. Um, and then just make sure you're doing a nice job of eating whole real foods afterwards, and you can replenish your body uh, that way. So again, if you want more performance, that little bit of extra calories and sugar in that drink won't kill you. If you're looking to look good naked, just go with water and then focus on just eating well-rounded meals um, after that, and you'll be all right. Water time. So I'm drinking water right now because I'm not concerned about performance right now. I'm sitting at my kitchen table doing a podcast. Water is perfectly fine. Now, that's a high quality H2O. All right, myth number 29. Shorter rest periods are better for fat loss. So here's the thing. Shorter rest periods for fat loss is often quite true. Cutting your rest periods short can provide uh, a lot of people with the necessary stimulus uh, 
um, to their body to elicit fat loss. So the shorter rest periods is going to cause them to work harder. It's going to keep their heart rate elevated for an extended period of time, which will cause them to burn more calories, which will cause them to burn uh, more fat. And when it comes to fat loss, overall calorie burn is kind of kind of very important. So this misconception is probably the only one on this list that we've covered that's kind of true. Um, but don't get carried away and just automatically assume that short rest periods are the most superior option for fat burning. So I hope that after listening to all of these podcasts, if this is in fact your sixth one that you're listening to, you realize how important muscle and strength are to overall fat loss. If not, I'm going to give you a quick, quick example. Okay. Muscle mass and strength are to fat loss what Justin Timberlake was to in sync. Okay. So there can't be one without the other. You can't have efficient fat loss without lean muscle mass and a lot of strength to back it up. I mean, on the same page, you can't have in sync without Justin Timberlake. I mean, can you, could you imagine going to an in sync concert and it's just Joey Fatone, uh, JC, Chris, and then, uh, Lance Bass. Look at that. I remembered all of them. No, Justin Timberlake was the star of the show. Like it would, it would just be sync. There would be no in. You know, you're missing the you're missing the capital N in in sync. That's what muscle mass is to fat loss. I mean, no one's going to see a sync concert, okay? Just how like no one is going to lose fat without having a decent amount of lean muscle tissue on their frame to begin with, okay? So on this small chance that the other members of in sync are listening to this podcast, I'm so sorry. It's just, it's a truth. And I didn't mean to offend you. So, all right, let's, let's get back on track, shall we? So the one downfall with shorter rest periods is that you won't allow for a full recovery in between your working sets. Um, and like I said, sometimes this can be good because it can keep your heart rate elevated, which can lead to a higher calorie burn. However, incomplete recovery also means your ability to lift heavier weights will be compromised. So you'll be able to do 10 reps on the first set, you'll get nine on the second, you'll get seven on the third, and then your fourth set, you'll be able to bust out like an ugly five. So what this means is that your ability to get stronger will be negatively affected. And that's not necessarily good because when you train to get stronger, fat loss will happen as long as your diet and sleep are in check. But there's a sweet spot when it comes to recovery and fat loss because too much and your heart rate drops to the point where your overall calorie burn is affected. So that means if you do a set of 10 repetitions of let's say squats and you rest for five minutes, well, yeah, you're gonna be really recovered for that second set, but your heart rate is going to drop down to basically your resting heart rate and that's gonna affect your overall calorie burn. Too little rest in between sets, and your strength training turns into basically like a Zumba class, as a dance class, and you're just constantly moving around and burning calories, and uh, it's great, but your strength gains are going to see kind of, they're going to take a hit. So you got to ask yourself, what's the best option for fat loss? And the answer is 
it depends. You're, you're kind of going to want to do both of them, if we're being completely honest. So what I will tell you is that you need to prioritize getting stronger first and foremost when it comes to fat loss goals. So if you, right now, listener of this podcast, have a goal to lose fat, shed fat, I would advise you make it a goal to be as strong as you can. Okay, so prioritize that in your training programs. So that means you need to inc- or include compound movements uh, in your workouts with the goal of getting stronger on all of those movements. So that means your goal should be on week one to take your squats and on week 16, they should be a lot stronger. Same thing with your deadlifts, your push-ups, your rows, your chin-ups, your whatever it is that you're doing, you should aim to be stronger on those movements. The rep ranges that you should be doing these movements should be kind of all over the place. You're going to want to do like a month's work or a month's worth of kind of like in the low rep ranges, kind of like three to six. You're going to want to have a month's work of kind of moderate rep ranges from like eight to 12. And then you're going to want to throw in um, some, you know, 12 plus when it comes to uh, your your, your rep range and your rest periods are going to range from one to three minutes. So the lower you go, the longer you're going to have to rest and the higher repetitions you perform, the less rest you can have. Um, but it's going to be somewhere between one to three minutes for the most part with the goal being overall strength. So uh, you're, you're really going to have to kind of mix in a, a lot of these rep ranges and you're going to have to kind of tinker with your rest periods when it comes to building strength and building um, lean muscle mass. But remember, quality fat loss comes down to inefficiency. So it's, it's just like how a Hummer is really terrible with fuel economy. You're going to want to become a Hummer. You, you want to expend as many calories as possible during exercise um, for fat loss. This means if you're used to performing movements with lighter weights and shorter rest periods, try lifting heavy weights with longer rest periods. And I bet you'll be sucking wind and your fat loss will be that much more improved. Uh, And then conversely, if you're like a big power lifter meathead and you only do three reps with nine minutes of rest in between, try doing three sets of 12 with like 60 seconds of rest. I guarantee you, you'll be sucking wind and your fat loss will be um, that much more efficient. So you just got to play around with it a little bit. But just remember, um, shorter rest periods does not necessarily mean you're going to be burning fat uh, uh, better. You you have to throw in some heavier sets with heavier weights with longer rest periods, um, moderate, weight, uh, moderate weights with moderate rest periods, um, but the, I guess the, the point that I'm trying to get across here is, is if, if you're comfortable doing what you're doing, you're probably not burning a ton of fat. You have to learn how to kind of get uncomfortable, uh, with your workouts. And that brings us to myth number 30, the finale. So we are going to end on this one and it's one I've heard many a times. It's one I've had to talk to clients about. It's that. Fruit makes you fat because it has sugar in it. So, first off, let me say this bluntly. Fruit doesn't make you fat. It never will make you fat. You have never watched a show on TLC, like 600 Pound Life, and they interview people, and the person is just like, I love mangoes. It's I can't put the mangoes down. I love it so much. Never heard that, ever. It's always 
the table sugar processed crap that they're eating. Fruit will never make you fat. If someone tells you fruit makes you fat, I give you permission to punch them square in the balls if they're a guy. If they're a girl, um, you can't do that. So, fruit does indeed, for a fact, contain sugar. Sometimes a lot of sugar. But you do not need to avoid it because it has that sugar in it. Fruit contains sugar in the form of fructose or fructose, depending on who you are and how you pronounce it. But it also contains tons of vitamins, minerals, and it has a high fiber content, depending on the fruit, phytochemicals, and a high water content. All of these things will affect how your body absorbs and digests the fruit and what it does with the fruit once it enters your body, especially when you compare that to the simple table sugar that gets added to a ton of processed food nowadays. So like the sugar that gets added to dry fruit, that's bad. So, uh, you know, if you, if you look at like the nutritional content between um, like an apricot and then dried apricots, like the dried fruit usually has a ton of added sugar into it. And quite frankly, I'm, I'll be completely honest, I don't know if that has anything to do with helping the shelf life of it or just to help it taste better. But that's the sugar that you want to avoid because that stuff will make you um, make you fat. Um, the regular fruit, that's that's never going to be never going to be an issue. Fruit does not have added sugar. Fruit has naturally occurring sugar that your body can digest rather well and efficiently. Um, so, so like I said, you're, you're never going to hear an overweight individual uh, blame their weight gain on, you know, those damn blueberries or whatever it may be. It's the pizzas, it's the tasty cakes, it is the uh, stuff that comes in a box. That's the stuff that's going to make those people fat. Um, and, and there's been a handful of studies that have shown and indicated that people who regularly consume fruit often have a healthier weight and body composition compared to people who do not. I'll use myself for an example. I eat a lot of fruit. I love fruit. Blueberries, bananas, watermelons, grapes, uh, raspberries, like apples, you name it. I love fruit. It's fantastic. It's nature's dessert. Um, but I mean, like it's solid advice to only consume these naturally occurring whole foods. So, you know, like I've said that before on this podcast and the last time I checked fruit is a naturally occurring whole food. So the fact that people try to tell you like you shouldn't eat a banana because of its sugar content is like absurd. It's blasphemous. Uh, like, and I don't say blasphemous very often because that's just how ridiculous it is. Um, so th there's no way fruit is bad for you. Like, absolutely not. Maybe if you're diabetic and you have to watch like your blood sugar. Okay. You got a little bit of kind of like gray area there. Um, but if fat loss and kind of like maintaining or losing weight are your goals, it might be worth limiting fruit, but not eliminating fruit completely from your diet. So, I mean, like lower carb diets are a fantastic way for sedentary people to help shed some unwanted fat and weight. Um, and fruit is, for the most part, all carbohydrates. 
But I'm telling you right now, you'll be perfectly fine. Um, and I encourage you to eat one to two servings of fruit per day um, and a little bit more if you're active because, number one, it'll help curb your cravings for any sweet foods, but it'll do so in a way where it's lower calorie, higher nutrient, higher fiber, um, keep you satisfied for longer type of foods. Um, so you'll be, you'll be perfectly fine if you eat a little bit of fruit every now and then. Do not avoid it um, just because it has sugar in it. That's That's absurd. That's beyond absurd. But you do have to be aware that just because something has fruit in it doesn't mean that it's always healthy. So the one thing that I'm going to pick on for right here is these acai or these fruit bowls that you see popping up um, in you know these these plazas and on social media and whatnot because they're very colorful and they're very pleasing to the eye. So those things look amazing. They look vibrant. They look colorful. They're like the ideal thing to take a picture of and put it on your Instagram story because people will be completely jealous of you and the life that you're living. Um, and they can satisfy your sweet tooth big time. Uh, but depending on what you put in those bowls, they can absolutely just be like a, a calorie bomb and destroy any type of results that you are trying to get. So yeah, you know, these, uh, the companies are, you know, talking about how there's fruit in the bowls and it's, super healthy and whatnot, but a lot of times, and this is with all food companies and restaurants and whatnot, um, you know, these, these bowls can contain more than a complete day's worth of fruit in them. So like more than like three servings of fruit in one sitting and fruit's not bad. Too much fruit in a sitting is bad though, uh, because it has a lot of calories that go with it. So when it comes to fat loss and weight loss, too many calories is what you're trying to avoid. Doesn't matter where they're coming from. You can eat 3,000 calories worth of, you know, blueberries and fruit and all this good for you stuff, but too many calories is too many calories. You're going to get fat that way. So, um, you know, with these acai bowls and these fruit bowls and whatnot, they'll have fruit in it. They'll have a lot of fruit in it. And then they'll even go overboard and they'll drizzle chocolate on it add some granola uh coconut shavings yogurt whatnot and like they look really good like very healthy looking um but sometimes these healthy bowls you know can contain like a thousand calories and 60 grams of sugar and like fruit or not that's a lot of that's a lot of calories for a, like a bowl of anything for the most part so again, I'm just it's just an example for these acai fruit bowl things. Um, it's just an example, but the point I'm trying to get home is just because something has fruit in it doesn't necessarily mean it will be healthy. Fruit in, you know, in and of itself, one piece of it is not bad, but sometimes just because it has fruit in it does not mean it's healthy. So, I mean, if you really want to include fruit in your diet, you should opt for the single pieces um that nature has kind of like prepackaged for you. So like a single banana, a single apple, a handful of berries. Um, as long as your portion sizes are in check, you can eat fruit daily uh, if you want. Just don't go crazy with it. Don't have nine servings of fruit in a day because um, nine servings of fruit is a lot of calories, not necessarily sugar, um, you know, the sugar content with it. So, um, And there you have it. So we are... 
done with the six-part series uh, for these fitness myths and misconceptions. So, uh, again, if this is the first one you've listened to, I would advise you to go listen to the first five because we cover a lot of stuff. And, uh, I mean, personally, I think it's good, but that's because, you know, I wrote it and I'm making the podcast. Uh, But I think you'll get something out of it for sure. So go back, listen to them, um, and hopefully, you know, it makes you a more educated fitness enthusiast and you can apply these things to your life and become a better person, see more results, all that good stuff. So as always, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, uh, just know it is incredibly helpful uh, and beneficial for us if you go and leave a uh, review if you like it, uh, written reviews, or just like a five-star rating. Uh, we appreciate that big time. Um, share the podcast if you like it with a friend, family member, anyone who you think can benefit from it. And you can always visit us on our website at gritfitnessandperformance.com or check us out on social media at gritfitnessandperformance. And um, so the six-part series is over, so now we'll kind of dive back into the regular kind of random topic podcast uh, going forward at this point. But once again, thank you guys for listening and I will see you at a later date.